This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Awards Blend, a weekly and live podcast on Cinema Blend that is dedicated to the ongoing Oscar race. Though over time, we have expanded the focus of Awards Blend to really include basically everything that's happening in the world of movies and because of that i cannot think of any better co-hosts than the gentleman that i am joined by each week although this week we may tear each other to pieces as we debate the best steven spielberg film so before we get into that please say hello to kevin mccarthy the entertainment reporter for fox 5 in washington dc and the official president of the hoyt van hoytema fan club kevin how are you No, I, honestly, I need to start that foundation, to be honest, Sean. I really do. And if you're just tuning in for us for the first time, I'm Kevin McCarthy. I, I work out of Washington, D.C. at Fox 5. Uh, this is our 10th episode? Is this 10? 10! Our baby wow. turns 10. 10 today! Yeah, I and, know. If, wow. and if you're just tuning in, please uh, find us on uh, uh, on iTunes. It's Awards Blend, uh, and we have eight, our past nine episodes are available there as well. So. Well, and the show would not be the same without Jake Hamilton, who is entertainment reporter for Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake say hello hello i'm just kind of amazed that you said you can't think of anyone better to like really you can't think of anyone better to host this with no we're the best oprah maybe maybe oprah you should you should really expand your horizons no well it's we love having you with us jake um this is our last show it's our last show guys Uh, last awards blend before we have the actual academy awards ceremony so we'll be making our picks today in the top categories and as i mentioned at the top of the show Later, we will be diving into a very heated conversation um, that we've been teasing all week on social. I got to say, so we've been using this this hashtag. First, it was uh, hashtag Nolan blend for the, the films of Christopher Nolan, the best films of Christopher Nolan. Then we used hashtag PTA blend. But that they, they have nothing on this week where we used hashtag Spielberg blend. And so many people got involved on social media. It yeah. was amazing to see people just debate uh, on Twitter and Facebook about uh, what films they would choose for the best. And people are getting mean about it. <laughs> I will say we've, we've had we've we've been discussing this for a long time. Right. I just made my decision uh, about thirty seconds ago, so I just emailed it to Gabe. I have had the hardest time with this this decision. It's been very hard to choose his best movie. And again, that's the thing here. And Jake and I were discussing this earlier. There's a difference between favorite and best. I mean, you can have a, a favorite is an easier choice because it's personal to you. And right. uh, but your the definitive answer we're giving today is what we think is the best uh, from an all around standpoint. A Spielberg film, and it, it might not be your favorite. It could just just be the best movie. Yeah, mine are different. If yeah. we were doing favorite, it would be a different movie than what I have picked for his best. Okay, yeah. we're going to get there in a second. So we are Awards Blend. Um, we are a weekly and live podcast here on Cinema Blend. And like I said, we have to get into our picks before the Academy Awards. But we also do news as a roundup at the beginning of each show. And I think we have to start, guys, with the news about Kevin Smith, which um, yeah. Kevin Smith is a really important filmmaker to all three of us. Uh, we have really interesting stories that we want to share in a minute. But um, so he had a heart attack earlier this year. He was in the middle of performing these shows that he does. He goes around the country a lot, hosts these live Q&As where he gets up and tells stories and has great audience feedback um, interaction with people who shoot him questions. And after his first show of 
over the evening, he uh, felt chest pain, decided he had to go get himself checked out. And it turns out he was about to have or had a massive heart attack if he didn't go to the doctor right away. Um, he says on social media that he would have died. Um, tell me what you guys thought when you first heard this this news that Kevin was, uh, you know, so close to death's door. Yeah, yeah honestly, I, go, go, go ahead, Jake. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, I, I saw, um, unfortunately, a, a poorly written headline, and I won't say uh, who it was by, but the headline only said Kevin Smith suffers massive heart attack. Uh, an appropriate headline should have been Kevin Smith survives massive heart attack uh, because uh, so there was a few minutes uh, when I honestly thought that he had died and uh, yeah I think you know he is well I mean when I think when we think of uh, of someone like a Spielberg or a Scorsese or a Nolan there's there's a distance to them there's a distance to their greatness but there's something about Kevin Smith that he almost feels like a buddy like he almost feels like he you know for so many reasons he would fit into this podcast. Not because we would be talking to him as a director, but I feel like we would instantly start talking to him as friends. I mean, he like his first movie was written about guys that do what we're doing right now, which is just hang out and shoot the bull about you know uh, about movies. So uh, yeah, there was a moment in that where I you know it was it really felt like a big loss because it felt like we were that I we had lost him for a second. Um, I, I know that he's been making some drastic health changes i think he lost like 90 pounds mm. um but apparently what he says that this is a problem that was uh in the making long before he he really started changing his health i know he's been going to make some lifestyle changes but uh hopefully um lifestyle changes are really the only thing he changes about himself because i consider him to be one of the greats in the business yeah i completely agree and uh growing up smith was a very special director to me because uh mall rats was just a film that i absolutely Adored. I can quote every line from that film. Chocolate-covered pretzels, one of my favorite bits of all time. <laughs> uh, I remember interviewing Michael Rooker for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and randomly bringing that up, which I'm sure nobody else has ever done that with him in a Guardians no, first interview. first time. Uh, but, and, uh, I mean, I'm joking, but like, it, it, it was honestly, it was, to me, Mallrats was so quintessential to growing up for me. I, mean, I was a big fan of music. I'm a big music fan, so I remember getting the soundtrack before the movie, before I even knew what the movie was. I remember Silverchair being on there, and I was like really excited about it. Um, and then I kind of found the movie through the soundtrack. I went back and watched Clerks 1, uh, and I became an instant fan. I snuck into Dogma before I was 17. Um, I, I have very big memories of that. I remember recording... Back in the day, uh, my parents wouldn't let me get HBO, so I had to record, or what, HBO or Showtime or Cinemax, which, whichever one it was, uh, Mallrats was playing on there, and I was too young, I guess, to see it at the time, so I recorded it onto my VCR, that and like Face Off and Seven and whatever movies were on there, and I would watch Mallrats on a loop. Um, and to me, he's just a fan of movies, and every Star Wars reference, and it, it made me so happy that he got to play a Stormtrooper in Force Awakens, and I was just like so excited about Wait, did he really? Yeah, it wasn't yeah, he was a stormtrooper oh, in Force that. Awakens. So I, I just voice. Always, he's a voice at least. I don't know if he like got into the suit. Maybe I, I thought he, he maybe it is a voice. He, he but he's in the movie somehow. Yeah. Some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. Um but to me, like that was like a culmination to me of like almost his career because uh if you watch Clerks, I mean Clerks is a massive Star Wars dialogue, everything going up to that, even the beginning of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I still think the greatest thing he's ever written is the Goodwill Hunting 2 hunting season scene with Matt Damon and applesauce. Affleck. Yeah, I mean, God, Gus Van Sant counting his money, and then the applesauce and I'm, the gun I'm going I'm busy 
Jesus, it, Ben, I'm busy. It's literally <laughs> one of my favorite scenes ever. Um, so it was it was a it was a huge thing for me to see that happen. Considering, like Jake said, you almost consider him to be a friend. I mean, I've interacted with him multiple times throughout the years. I've you know I've, I've seen him live. Uh, he did a Q and A after Red State. Uh, I interviewed him for an hour for Red State. He just he just loves talking movies, and that's why well, I love I Kevin see- Smith. And that's why I think his bigger impact, because we we have to all admit his movies as of late are not good. His bigger impact on Red this State industry was awesome. is Red State was is, amazing. Yeah, but Yoga Hosers is terrible, and but pretty much everything I, I, he's been Tusk is really. Bad. I, and also, I, I, like I would Tusk. I would defend the first no, half of Tusk. Tusk is bad. Tusk is bad. I think the first half of first half of Tusk is brilliant. I would argue that what he brilliant did was, brilliant. I, I, I like would really say the Tusk. first half of Tusk is some of the best writing of his career. I know we got to move on, but let me say one thing about Kevin Smith. So, uh, growing up, uh, Kevin Smith was that Jay and Silent Bob type of humor. I mean, that I mean, Chasing Amy was a, little, a bit of a derailment. It was more a little more serious, but also comedy at the same time. Um, but Red State to me was like, oh my god, that showed that showed this incredible range that he has as a filmmaker. Michael Parks in that film is so incredibly good. Um, I'd agree with you. I, I just find that 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 really kind of proved the range. Yoga Housers, I, I actually haven't seen Yoga Housers. Um, I want to. I will eventually. Uh, but I don't think he's been making don't. bad films. Uh, it's, 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 it's actually genuine. Yeah, I know. Bad. I haven't seen it. So um, so I want to tell my Kevin Smith story. We've all had stories with Kevin over the years. This this made me really happy. Um, <laughs> he, he was hosting a screening of Red State um, at his house. He actually right. said on something on Twitter of... I want to invite a, a group of critics to come see this new movie. I'm really proud of it. Um, if you can uh, convince me that you should come, then, uh, you know, on social media, then I'll get in touch with you and you can be one of the ones who come to come see it. And this, uh, the first thought that came to my mind was the scene in Jay and Silent Bob <laughs> where, where they go to visit every person who says something negative about yeah, his yeah. films and they beat the shit out of him. And I, <laughs> so I responded. I said, guys, I've seen Jay and Silent Bob. This is a trap. Like, do not do not try to go to this. He wants to jump all of us. And I got a direct message from him and said, that made me laugh really hard. You're in. And Love I was it. like, that's awesome. Oh but unfortunately, it was happening like the next day. And it was primarily for like L.A. critics. And I'm here in Charlotte and I just wasn't able to pull it off. But no, Sean, Sean, I don't think it ever happened. I, I was I was in that same boat you were. I got invited to go to his house for Red State. I think something happened. I don't think the screening ever happened oh, with the critics in his house. I could be okay. wrong, unless we're talking about two different stories, but it was for Red State, and then the house thing just didn't go through. Something happened. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I was yeah, also Kevin invited. Kevin was probably stoned out of his mind, and he came <laughs> out of it, and someone said, you just invited a bunch of critics to your house to watch your movie. And he was like, oh, yeah. wait, I don't want to do that. No, that's not true. Oh, yeah, anyway, sure. Guys, really I, 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 too, love my story of being invited to Kevin's house. That was, that was fun <laughs> that I also was invited to Kevin Smith's house. That sorry, was, Jake. I'm sorry. I, I also share that experience. We are glad guys. that Kevin is feeling better. Um, breaking yeah. news right before we started the podcast. Yeah. This is really important also. People who bought tickets to go see Avengers Infinity War on on May 4th, you're going to get to see it earlier than anticipated. You done messed up. Well, no, because they're (laughs) they're, going to see it late. Yeah, I guess you're going to see it late. Well, um, so now April 27th, Avengers is moving a week earlier, and we were sort of spitting balling why we think that happened. Um, There's a huge vacuum to film in April. There's nothing really opening. I think Rampage is opening in the middle of the month, the Dwayne Johnson movie. And then... um, uh, also, we think it wants to get out of the way of Solo or give itself some room to breathe before it I sort think, of To me, that's Solo. that's what it is. Like I mean, those are two massive movies. Uh, and and I, I would argue that the second movie 
Disney's probably more worried about than the first. Like they, not that they need to be worried about a Star Wars movie, but uh, I think they wouldn't mind spacing apart two behemoths. Uh, even even seven days could make all the difference. It helps Deadpool too. Deadpool's yeah. in the middle of those two films. Yeah, now, that's uh, true. Hopefully, the audience I mean, will be tailing off a little bit for Infinity War. Here's the question, uh, and I, I and I I think. Uh, our friend Eric was the one who posted this on Facebook or somebody or on Twitter somewhere. Uh, will Infinity War open as big as Black Panther? And I thought that was an interesting question because Black Panther obviously had an enormous opening. Um, it was what did it did it best Avengers one? It did or was it right underneath it uh, for a three I, it, for three day for three day? I think I it was two oh one for three day and Avengers one was two oh seven I think or something like that. I think so. Yes. So uh, so but Civil War did not open in the two hundreds uh, and that was essentially an Avengers type movie directed by the Russo brothers. It featured Black Panther. It also had Spider Man's introduction and that film couldn't even break the two hundred, which is obviously a very hard thing to do. And I'm not not Civil War. Black Panther is going to cross a billion dollars. Oh no question. I, I don't that's even know why that's insane. even been a question. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's just insane. And, and I say this from this perspective in the, on this on the spectrum of Marvel superheroes, Black Panther is like a third tier superhero. Like he's not Captain America, he's not Iron Man, he's not Spider-Man. He doesn't have that household name. This that is movie, that into, movie That movie's solid that movie, and it's playing into a a cultural aspect that is that people are responding to. Also, they made a great movie that really helps. But I made a joke that like in the Justice League's grand scheme of things, it would be like if Cyborg had his solo movie and it broke a billion dollars. Like yeah, it's not Black- Wonder Woman, it's not Superman, it's not Batman. It's this third tier hero who's just dominating, and it's it's great to see. But the movie, the movie was bigger than Black Panther. It was like a weird. It was, it was like this very strange moment, this historical element that happened. Uh, it was, and he's not even the best character in the film, which is even another thing I find interesting. Um, to me, when you're watching this movie, uh, it's the women in the film. It's the it's, it's the Michael B. Jordan character. It's the it's Shuri. It's Denai Guerrero's character. It's Lupita Nyong'o's character. It's Andy Serkis's character. Honestly, Black Panther in the film. Who, who's great, holds the whole thing together, he's very understated, he is not the best character or the most talked about character in that movie, in my opinion. And now Chadwick Boseman is coming out and saying that T'Challa is actually the villain in the movie, which is an interesting perspective. What? He said that? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, in a recent interview, the idea being that he's the one that's kind of really in charge of keeping uh, Wakanda separate from everyone else. Uh, I forget the exact bullet points he used. You but, know, uh, that's a good debate. That is a good debate about whether Wakanda should open up his borders to everybody else. And if he's if he thinks that T'Challa is the one trying to keep Wakanda safe and secret, I understand but, what he's saying. You can't call that him all go, a villain. Well, that all goes back to the Michael B. Jordan uh, idea about him not being him being a sympathetic villain and him not really, you know, Michael B. Jordan's character. At the end of the film, the the Wakandans use his ideals. They actually break the border. They go they go into the neighborhood in Oakland. They open up their they open up that uh, Wakanda scientific center that's going to be in the middle of Oakland. Um, so again, with Michael B. Jordan, which was why I love his character, I love the performance of Michael that, that he did in the movie. Uh, he's a sympathetic villain, so I can see kind of where that argument comes in. But you know, one's you, a murderer, one's not. So, do you guys think that Infinity War? Who, who, all right, go, let's go through it. Who, will Infinity War open? smaller than black panther yes my dog's my dog's tail is, is <laughs> <moving>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um 
Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I, th- I think Infinity War opens smaller than Black Panther. I, I think Infinity War has a... I think it's possible. Has a 185, 190 weekend. I think... I, I don't I don't feel the the buzz I felt for Black Panther. That I, I, don't, do for I don't think War the average person the gets the significance around. of Infinity War. I mean, at this point, I think... Uh, I don't want to say that like we've grown jaded to the idea of the Avengers and or or even something like a Justice League having everyone together, right. but there's but I remember you know I, I told you guys last week I'm making my way through um, the the MCU right now. Last night I watched Captain America: First Avenger, and tonight I'll be watching the Avengers. Um, and I just remember like remember how just freaking monumental that movie was when the idea that all of these people are going to be together in a movie. Right, and right. now I feel like, and they, like I said, not, not that people aren't excited for it, but there's just that idea of like, oh, it's another Avengers movie. Yeah, and the yeah. idea that there are groups that, that got together specifically to go as like a big group to go see Black Panther, like that won't happen for Infinity War. That's, that's what we're thinking. Listen, I yeah, think I I that, that, that's the exact reason. Black Panther, as I mentioned, was bigger than the movie. It was bigger than the character. It was bigger than everything. It was a moment. So I think Infinity War, as Jake said, I, I don't, Listen, it's going to make a ton of money. We we all, we all we all know that it's going to make over a billion dollars. No question. Didn't Avengers one make over two billion or close to it? Um, I could be wrong on that number. Don't quote me. One one point five, I think, is what it did. One point five billion. Um, but all I can say is I'm, I I don't feel the urgency or the buzz that I felt for Black Panther for Avengers: Infinity War. It's I still it's, a couple of months to go. It's going to be mean, big. next Grandpa. month. Next month. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I guess that's true now. Now at this point. Since it's March and and it opens yeah. at the end of April. All right, that's fine. Okay, so we have the Academy Awards on Sunday, and we are yeah, yeah, called yeah. Awards Blend um, for now. Although I guess we can sort of reveal that uh, we are going to rebrand uh, after Woo-hoo! the after the uh, Oscars, and we're not going to tell you yet what the name is because Jake we're going to have one more uh, big Awards Blend show, which will be the Monday after the Academy Awards. Um, and then we will start to talk about what the new show is going to be called and, and the direction that we want to go in it. Um, but we will be keeping the three of us together and and uh, discussing all things cinema. So um, the Academy Awards, we're going to get to our picks. We're going to go on the record after discussing all of the categories in all of our past episodes, which, as Kevin pointed out at the beginning of the show, and I want to keep emphasizing, you can find us on iTunes. We are now on Spotify, which I'm really happy about, and we are free. You can go back and, and go through all of our past out. Oh, I got a really nice the, that tweet from someone who said they just discovered us a couple of days ago, and they've listened to like nothing but us ever since, which I think is masochistic. That's very cool. But really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really, really nice. And so um, one point that I want to bring up that uh, was raised by... Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Kelly West, who wanted us to emphasize for everybody. She's totally right. This is like one of the first times that all of the Best Picture nominees are available uh, on digital to stream, all except for The Post and Shape and of Phantom Water. Thread. Uh, oh, Phantom Thread, right. Those are the two that are still in theaters and open up later, but you can basically and, and also, this um, I, Yeah, Tanya, Shape of Water is, is the 13th. Well, Iton is not Best Picture. Right, all right, all right, right, right. But that they're going to have their digital release on Friday, um, tomorrow, I believe, in order to make it in time for the ceremony. But you can essentially catch up on any of the people that you, any of the films that you have not caught up with to this point this weekend before going into the ceremony on Sunday. Um, on a scale of one to ten, excitement level heading into the Academy Awards, whether it be for uh, Jimmy Kimmel as the host or just some surprises that may come. Uh, Kevin, where are you on a one to 10, 10 being, I cannot wait for this show to start. 
Well, here's the thing. I mean, I uh, over the years, and if you follow my Twitter at all, I've I, I've been very vocal about my distaste for the choices the Academy makes for nominations uh, and winners uh, throughout the year. We've and we've had so many shows about uh, what films should have won, what films did they do all wrong. Uh, but that being said, it's my Super Bowl. I look forward to it every single year. I, I, I my wife and I uh, dress up in a, a tux and a gown in our basement, and we watch the uh, the uh, show together with our dog Oscar, which is named after the Academy Awards. So it's kind of an event that I just, no matter how I feel about the choices they make as a, as a, as a group, I just can't wait to see the spectacle of it. I love watching the e-red carpet stuff. Um, I'll sit there for three hours prior to the show, watch all the interviews in the carpet uh, with you know Seacrest and Juliana Rancic and all that. And I just, uh, to me, I don't know. It's it's a big event. It's it's it. I feel that way about it as somebody who maybe was a Patriots fan who watched the Super Bowl this year. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a it's a big deal. So going into it though, this year I'm a little more excited because of the fact that. The best picture front runners are the two films that we all know about were three billboards in Shape of Water. But I have this crazy feeling about Get Out that I'm kind of just kind of in my stomach, kind of like waiting the wait until Sunday night to see what happens and see that that movie gets called out for best picture. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm just excited to to hear the word Dunkirk over and over again. I mean, it's been nominated for. I believe eight Academy Awards. I'm excited to see. Hopefully, if it wins anything below the line, as Jake says. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm just excited to see Nolan's name called when they say Best Director and they go to his face. I'm <laughs> oh. just excited about that. I'm excited to see Paul Thomas. I mean, the Best Director category is one of the best lineups I've seen in a long time, and I just can't wait to see the cutaways to Nolan's face or Paul Thomas Anderson's face. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just excited about. I mean, my. Top two favorite films of the year are nominated for Best Picture and Best Director and a lot of awards. So it, it, it's an exciting night to me to see two films that I really, really enjoyed uh, with a ton of nominations. So Jake, Jake, where are you at? One to ten. Uh, I'm. I think it gets an automatic seven from me just because I agree with Kevin in that like it is our Super Bowl. But like this year, I was excited to watch the Super Bowl, but less excited because I couldn't care less about the two teams that were playing. Yeah. Um, I am a big fan of Three Billboards. You guys know I was less of a fan of, of Shape of Water. Um, would love if Get Out could pull the win for so many reasons, not the least of which is what it would say about the Academy and the direction that the Academy is going. Um, that being said, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I know we're going to talk predictions later, but uh, you know, one of the stats that I saw was that no film has won Best Picture with less than five nominations since 1939 or 36. Yeah, I don't call me on one of those two, which doesn't bode well for Get Out, which only has four nominations. Um, so I, you know, I, I, it's it's a solid seven for me. One thing I don't want is ten thousand jokes about the mix-up last year. Like, obviously, Kimmel has to play into it, but like, I, I'm kind of sick of that story by I now. Think, and, I think and if Kimmel that's the bit all night. I think Kimmel knows that. I, I, there's I no hope way. So. There's no way they're going to do that over and over. They might make yeah. one reference to it, maybe. Um, you know, on our Facebook feed, uh, I just want to bring this point up. Suzanne Wilson yeah. uh, says, "Just so you know, I don't watch award shows anymore due to the political bias." And I, I find that that comment is raised by a lot of people um, who are like, "Oh, I just don't want to watch because they politicize everything." But I, I kind of feel there's nothing new. That yeah, but this year in particular, because there are so many political topics that people can bring up, I found that most of the shows are are staying away from it. Like it doesn't seem like we're getting beaten over the head with with 
political opinions at these shows. Um, but maybe the maybe everyone's saving it for the Oscars, and I and maybe I just am, I'm missing the boat. I don't see the Me Too movement as or this push for diversity as something that's political, overly political. It just seems like people are sort of assessing the state of the industry right now and realizing that we have to make some changes. But that doesn't strike me as being overly political. Uh, I honestly, I think I disagree with you. I think I have felt a little bit more this year than in past years, especially in the speeches and, mm-hmm. and the fact that it hasn't changed in the entire way uh, that people dress on the red carpet. Um, I feel like it's a little bit more prevalent. I mean, we're, you know, Kevin, you mentioned Ryan Seacrest. There's a very good chance that no one's going to stop for Ryan Seacrest on the red carpet on Sunday because of the allegations yeah. against him. Like we're talking about the guy who was the go-to interviewer on the Oscars red carpet right. could be bypassed by every major name that walks the red carpet outside of, uh, not Kodak, the Dolby Theater. So uh, I, I do disagree with you a little bit, Sean. I do think that uh, that, it, I, that this year in particular is, is fairly politicized. I guess I mean like Trump jokes. Maybe I'm maybe I'm openly saying it, yeah. it's not it's not like open pot shots at our president. Oh, I, okay, I agree. Yeah, that I agree with, and I think that's because the Me Too movement has taken the place of that. You know, yeah. I, I'll say yeah. one thing uh, in regards to the Seacrest thing. Um, I agree with you, Jake. I'm I'm, inter- I'm interested to watch <clears throat> to see what happens on Sunday night. I when I mentioned watching red carpet, it's just in my mind. When you think of E-Red Carpet, you think of Seacrest and Rancic automatically. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting is whether or not the stars go to him. Uh, I read an, an article today that they're like having crisis meetings at E about, you know, trying to pick stars that can come to him that won't it won't be awkward with. I, I, I read the whole article on Hollywood Reporter. Um, politics and Me Too are two things that I, I find interesting, uh, especially in the Oscar uh, element. I am very much an advocate of kind of celebrating the movies and enjoying the evening and talking about the successes of what these films did and what these filmmakers did and what these actors did and composers and cinematographers. Um, My hope, uh, personally, I think the Me Too element of it definitely needs to be a part of the show, uh, but it it can be a part, but it it doesn't have to be the entire show, Uh, but I do think that it needs to be a part of the show. It's very, very important. Um, In regards to politics... Uh, I'm just kind of hoping they stay away from politics. I, I'm just, mm. I just think it's, it's just too easy to go political. Yeah. Now, I'm, now, when I mean political, I mean Trump jokes specifically yeah. or jokes about like Steve Bannon or whatever they're going to go, wherever he'll go. I have no idea what he's going to do. And I, I'm not saying stating my politics here at all. I just kind of want to hear from the filmmakers about their films. Um, now the me too thing is different. I think it's a totally different category than Trump jokes and things like that. The me too thing is a very important matter. And I have no problem with that being brought up in speeches or talked about throughout the night. I just, my hope is that the entirety of the night is more about the celebration of the films versus the politics. That's Here's just an issue. The films in contention are weird. <laughs> um, I went yeah. on NB, I went on my NBC affiliate in Charlotte uh, this morning and I made my picks. And so I'll, I'll leak that you know before we get the best picture that i pick shape of water right so i'm driving home and i got a phone call from my mom who is 80 and is you know <laughs> casually pays attention to what's happening in the film world and she's like so what is shape of water what is it about and i started to describe it to her and she was like all right, all right. it's just uh, yeah. <laughs> i'm never gonna see that and i don't know what i don't want to know what it is so so the general audience might just not be tuning into the oscar ceremony because they just don't know the films and they're not they're not dialed into it so but I, I do we'll think see. that pol- politics plays an interesting element. I mean, like when when, when shows get political, uh, that part of the country, that that part of the political spectrum, will tune out. 
Um, so I, I, I think it's become an interesting debate of, uh, and this is an, a, a, a thing we can talk about another time on the show uh, about politics and and and, uh, and Hollywood. Uh, it's one of those things where you know people people just want to go to the movies, but then again these these performers and these actors have a platform so it is important for them to speak out and give their thoughts so it's one of those things where i feel like there has to be a balance because to me i want to celebrate the movies and not politics to, but also it is i'd argue it is their moment like they've earned it like if they want if you know they get they sure. worked to get 60 seconds on the stage and if they want to you know you spend that 60 seconds burping the alphabet that's that's their right that's what they've, they've earned <laughs> someone you know, do like, that you know, that's, uh, you know, that's d- funny d- though Di- <laughs> dicaprio used his his uh it, i thought dicaprio had a great speech because he talked about the production of the revenant and then shifted that into climate change which was which a perfect transition because that was a good speech you know yeah because they cause it, correct me if i'm wrong didn't they have to move production of uh, the Revenant because the snow was melting. Yeah. And yeah. and so he brought that up in his speech and obviously yeah. we all know that DiCaprio is very much an advocate sure. um for yeah. for uh for you know climate change. And uh so yeah, so I think if it could be done in such a way in a balance. that uh you know yeah. Right. Like like if like DiCaprio's speech was great because it, it, it was it focused on the film but then it went into something he was passionate about. Uh right. and I'm I'm totally cool with that because it's something that he clearly was passionate about. So that's just kind of my hope. I, I, I first off want to celebrate the movies. Um, that's just me. And I, but I, I understand that there's a lot going on in this country and that I understand that movies aren't important in regards to the scheme of the things that are happening in this country. Um, but movies are my personal favorite thing. I think a lot of people who watch the Oscars love movies. So if they can find a balance where they can still talk about the films and they want to get a little political or a little, I mean, I'm, I, it's fine. I just don't want the whole night to be Trump jokes. You know what I mean? I'm um, just not, I just quick, feel like it's, it's overplayed. Quick sidebar. And then we'll get to our picks. DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are going to be the co-stars in the new Tarantino yeah, movie. Yeah, they are. And That's then I, I read somewhere that, that the That's rumor insane. is uh, Walton Goggins as Manson. Oh! Who would be perfect. Shut up! You, you want to know what I've read? Just, just what? I don't know what's funny. Oh, oh my God. I'm so happy you said that. I just interviewed Walton Goggins on for Tomb Raider Saturday or something I don't remember what day it was yeah. for Tomb Raider yeah. um, and when I got up this was the weirdest reaction ever. I, I'm trying to remember his exact words but I'm I so said I, we were talking about Hateful Eight and Django uh, and I remember like getting up out of the interview and saying to him oh man I uh, can't wait to see you work with Tarantino again have you heard about this Manson movie he's doing he goes I don't know what you're talking about man or I don't know what what that is like it all it was a very strange reaction to i wasn't even saying he was in the movie yeah. but yeah. he reacted as like, if was, oh, like he was ready like, to shut you down right right and i'm like i'm like dude dude, dude. i was just saying i'd be yeah. cool if you were in he it would I, be the, but, perfect oh, for I, manson. when i left that room my mind was he's manson no question that interesting i, I will guarantee you that is the hundred percent cast. I I, I, I'd also argue Guarantee like it. how big of a role it. is Manson going? You know, I, I know we're probably small. getting to a way sidebar, but like Manson wasn't there for the Sharon Tate murder. So like, right. and and Tarantino has said specifically that it's not going to be a Manson movie, right. and it's about and if yeah. and if DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are playing the the neighbors to Sharon Tate. Like I'm trying, I'm just, I'm just having a hard time understanding how big of a role Manson's actually going to be playing. I mean, Goggins has always been a very good supporting actor in the recent yeah. uh, Tarantino films. I think it'll be a memorable moment, 
But I'm telling you right now, the way he reacted to me was as if he couldn't talk about something that I wasn't even asking him about. It was yeah. very strange. It was very defensive. And I was like, okay. ah, you, you're Manson, aren't you? I didn't say that. But, <laughs> <All> <laughs> I was right. like, that is a yeah. topic for uh, another for another podcast because that that is that's some great casting right there. That could be amazing. All right, let's run through the um, the top picks. We are going to go on the record. Uh, we won't discuss it in depth um, because we've kind of have rehashed all these categories, but let's go right to best actress and we'll go around the, the horn and you guys can tell me who your pick is so that we are on the record that we can point and laugh at each other on Monday. Hey, uh, when uh, we're either right or wrong. Jake, who do you think for best actress? Uh, it's gotta be Francis. Um, I, I, I think she's just got a ground swelling of support. Um, I, 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 that's who I'm going with. Kevin. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's a lock. I've been saying that for the entire Awards Blend podcast. I mean, the four acting categories were 100% locked in. Francis is going to win, no question. The only person I could see upsetting her would be um, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya. Uh, you think I, so? I, that's, the on, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, like, like when not, I do my... Not Sally Hawkins? No. Uh, no. When I do, when I do so my... I, I would argue Margot Robbie maybe has the... Like, I would put her maybe fourth or fifth if I had to rank people by their chances. When I did my predictions... When I do my predictions in the air, uh, which I'm doing tomorrow, I always do a will win, should win for for the categories. And, and I think Francis is 100% the will and the should of this these five uh, women. I mean, it, her performance is incredible. It's, I, I want to watch her dropped into every movie ever. Like, she is like... The character is incredible. It's really layered. And she's and, great at award shows. Yeah, I love her speech. I can't wait to see her speech. Yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. But we, we did argue that earlier in the year at the SAG Award when she made the uh, the joke about using her SAG statue as a doorstop, uh, <laughs> which, that, which, which, which kind of meant that she didn't really care about this type yeah. of stuff. That was a question of whether or not that would affect her win at but the Oscars. To me, like, that didn't really – I mean, I know we were no. talking about that. But yeah. to me, like, that, ne- that never really gained traction the way I no. think it would have to in order for it to derail her. No, I don't think so either. It was just it was just an interesting uh, tidbit that we were discussing. All right, I think it's Francis also. I don't necessarily support it, but I think it's Francis. But out of the five, who's better than her? Um, I like Sally Hawkins more, and I'd like to see yeah. her win. I thought she was okay. great. Uh, best actor, I'll say Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Oldman will Kaluuya should. Kaluuya ah. should. I have come around to the notion that Gary Oldman's performance, while really, really good, um, is is aided with makeup and prosthetics yep. in a way that um, we've discussed 100%. at length on the podcast. Um, I, I don't. It's a hard way to determine the difference between where the performance begins and the assistance from the the makeup ends and. and that's a great question because the the best example of someone who I thought that beautifully used the makeup and the effects was uh Daniel Day Lewis's Lincoln. I mean, cause while it was, he was, he was obviously made up a certain way. It was still him and he became him completely and he deserved the award. But with Churchill, you're right. You can't see Gary Oldman at all physically whatsoever. He looks completely different. It's also not his best performance. We've discussed this many times, but he, but, but he is not up against his other performances. I know, I know. but at, I know. he's not, he's not even the best out of the five, but we all, we all know that he is going to win for his career and not for this performance. We all know that. I, mean, I, I genuinely think it's the best performance out of the five. Oh no. I, I think Co- Daniel Day Lewis. Better than Daniel Kaluuya? Daniel Kaluuya? He, he's not better than Kaluuya. He's not better than Day Lewis. Who else is up, up there? With the two, uh, who else is up nominated for the uh, best actor? Denzel Washington. Denzel he's better Washington, than he's better than Denzel. Okay. And um, I'm blanking on the fifth. Why am I blanking who, on the fifth? 
I don't know who the fifth one is off the top I'm of my looking. head. I'm looking. I'm but, looking. But so, in my opinion, Oldman is maybe third or fourth best. Or oh, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, yeah, he's better than Timothy Chalamet. So he's, he's the third best out of the five. So, I mean, to me, and I've said this a million times, Oldman deserve nominations for professional and uh, Fifth Element, Dracula, even Immortal Beloved was a typical Oscar nope, type but, of performance But Jake's right. Well. He, Jake's right. He's not competing with his old performances. That, that's the But point. he's going to win yeah. because of his career, not because of his performance. We all know that. Probably. Probably. Yeah. All right. Best director. This is where I think it gets kind of interesting. This is where I think... Really? This is yeah, where I, I like think... This is, this is locked. No, well, but this is where I think that if the evening is starting to shift in a way that we don't expect um, early on, if you start to see... Let's say you see a number of early wins for Get Out. Do you start to feel Jordan has a chance? But but there won't be early wins for Get Out because all the major uh, awards that Get Out's nominated for are end of the night awards. Late in, late in the evening. And okay, going yeah, going back to what you said, Jake, earlier about uh, an Academy Award movie not winning Best Picture without without a certain number of nominations since nineteen thirty nine. Yeah, not not. I think honestly, I think it was like nineteen thirty nine. No movie had won Best Picture without at least being nominated for five awards. But the awards that get out is nominated for our major awards like it's I, not I, just I'm with you. and, and, and i like know the major I, stuff i know but so. um but i i think the argument being that like it has to be appreciated both in in the craft which is you know what some people might consider below the line nominations right and then the major stuff as well no the fact you're right that, you know it didn't get a score or a um or cinematography or you know it, you know didn't get any of those. I'll still right. never understand how a movie wins Best Picture without winning Best Director. I just don't understand that. And yeah. the movie that I think is going to win, I mean, even though I'm not predicting it, which I'll get to in a little bit, the director wasn't even nominated for Best Best Director. So uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that that's a problem. That's a big problem. Like you're saying, the movie's the best movie of the year, but the person who directed the film, which is the person who made the movie you're saying is not worthy of a director of a nomination that's ridiculous i mean but that, that that's happened before like it's argo ridiculous, it's ridiculous, won best though. picture yeah but argo argo only won best picture because of the whole they all felt bad that he didn't get best director nomination that movie was not the best movie of the year it was it, it that vote was oh we feel so bad for affleck that he didn't get nominated so we're gonna give it to argo it was a good movie but it wasn't it wasn't mind-blowingly i think it was i think it was brilliant. number four on my top 10 that yeah year. yeah but the, i'm telling you it's all politics that's the thing. That's the problem with these award shows. That everything is everything is political. Everything's weighted. Everything's like, oh, he hasn't won before, and now he's finally gonna win. Just give it to the best movie or performer or director of the year, and that's Christopher right. Nolan. But Dir- director <laughs> Kevin, is. who's gonna win? Del Toro. I mean, no question. I mean, he won the DGA. Uh, I mean, it, it's his year. I mean, everyone loves his speeches, as Jake has been saying. Um, it, it, it to me it's it, and I love Shape of Water. It's my number five of the year. Um, uh, Phantom Thread took over the four spot after I saw it, but I just don't I don't understand why that would win Best Director. I mean, I, I get that it's a beautiful looking film. It didn't emotionally blow my mind, um, but I, I he's gonna win, no question. He won the DGA. That's one of the biggest predictors you can think of. He won the Golden it is Globe the Best biggest Director. Predictor, actually. Yeah, it's I mean, the, it's the biggest predictor. I mean, listen, I, and my should win, as you all know, is Nolan. I mean, like, I can, I, I would really? actually even be happy if uh, if uh, Paul Thomas Anderson won. I'd be so ecstatic. Or Jordan Peele. My God, that'd be amazing. I just don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm more on the Nolan train, in my opinion. So, Jake. Yeah, I think Del Toro uh, wins. Uh, you know, talking to people around Chicago and in the newsroom, 
uh, the one thing, the one general consensus I can get about Shape of Water is whether you like the movie or not, everyone agrees that it's well made. Um, and yeah. I think because the movie, like, you know, no, I don't think anyone like is, is super opinionated one way or the other about it's. It's just like, oh yeah, like that was a well made movie. I, I know too many people that viciously for every person I know that loves how Dunkirk was made. I think I know too many other people that viciously dislike how Dunkirk was made, and I think that that uh, it hurts. And I, cause Kevin, I agree with you. I think Nolan should win in terms of best directing, best like what it took to make that movie. I think Nolan should absolutely win for for Dunkirk. But I think uh, I think Shape of Water is sort of the easier, like, oh yeah, that was a well made that was a well made film. Like no one no one's gonna disagree. That that yeah. shape of water was as opposed to I think I could find a few people that would disagree about how Nolan made Dunkirk. And one one thing we were discussing on our text chain was these these brutally honest Oscar voters. Uh, oh, who, which I uh, hate, which I hate as well. I mean, like Jake, as you mentioned, they need to come out and say who they are if you're going to give an opinion like that. And yeah. one of the voters essentially said that Nolan failed uh, with Dunkirk because it was too confusing or he didn't get it or whatever. And to me, I just found that to be one of the most ignorant comments ever. And like to say to someone, you don't, you know, I didn't get the film and that he failed uh, is just pure ignorance uh, because a filmmaker challenges you and, and makes you work during a movie a little bit mentally speaking, that, that means he failed or he didn't deliver the typical uh, war tropes where you, you, you know, you're, you're meeting with a person in the beginning, you find out who they are back home, their loved ones, and then you, you care when they, when they die. Sure. Typical way a war film is made. And it's been made like that for years. Amazing. But Dunkirk was just dropping you into a third act of a war film, and it challenged the viewer, and it, and it, and it put them in the uh, emo, emo, immersion, and immer, immersed you, and it was a, a masterclass and an exercise of immersion. So I, I that blew my mind that someone actually would even state that. I mean, if you don't like Dunkirk, that's fine, but uh, just you know, to say you don't get it and that means he failed, that's just ridiculous. I also think those anonymous ballot voter articles they're bogus for so many different reasons but i just i don't trust what anybody says in them i think that they could honestly just be saying whatever they want to say for shock value because they know that right. their name's not attributed to it and they know it's going to be good copy you know they become such a pattern you know every year all the trades have to run these anonymous ballot guys and i think some of them just say stuff to be shocking now i don't know if they even believe anything that they say in it because they don't put their name on it you know, one thing I want to say about Nolan real fast and just kind of filmmakers like uh, the people who are nominated for Best Director, you know, we all know the importance of getting butts in the seats, like people going to an actual cinema to see a movie. Um, my, the, my favorite thing of 2017 were Harry Styles fans seeking out 70 millimeter IMAX theaters just because they, 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 they thought it was the best way to watch Dunkirk. And these are 13, 14, 15 year old kids who are obsessed with Harry Styles that were put into a movie theater and experiencing a 70 millimeter IMAX film for the first time in their lives. And I just think that to me, that that's the beauty of movies. Like someone that's who's cool. someone who's preserving the cinematic experience and forcing people to see a film in a certain format and teaching them how to immerse themselves and get off their phones or and stop watching movies on their iPhones and their and their iPads. I mean, I'm guilty of that. I watched Mute on my phone the other day on an airplane, um, but that was, that was just my only way of watching it at the moment. It's on Netflix. But, you know, with Dunkirk, I just think that with the $500 million it made at the box office worldwide, 
it put people into an experience that they never had before, and I hope that that gets more people to go to the movie theaters. That's why I was so excited about Black Panther, because the theaters just seemed dead for a long time, and just kind of having people talk about a movie so excitedly, going to see it three or four or five times, uh, I just I just love that. I love that type of experience. So My, my pick for director is Del Toro, um, for the record. Although I think the love for that is fading, I, and I, I this is where I start to feel like I would not be surprised if you hear a name like Jordan Peele pop up and so who really uh, yeah who beats would, him I, if if someone beats him is it jordan peele yeah okay if if someone beats del toro i think it's jordan peele i think it's because i think people if there's a wave it gets behind get out and it pushes it through Agreed. i'd be stunned if it happened but i just think that that maybe shape of water peaked early however we now I best picture, we, we live in a reality where that could happen it's yeah. not you know it's not like you know, I, I really don't think we live in a reality where we're going to hear Greta Gerwig's name, but I do very much think we live in a reality in which Jordan Peele's name could be written, you know, on the card inside that envelope. Any well, chance we so, hear Nolan's name? No, I, I think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. I don't think so. So, best picture. Um, I'm saying I'm sticking with Shape of Water, and the reason I'm sticking with Shape of Water is is solely off the Producers Guild. When we get to uh, March Madness and the basketball uh, picks and the the giant bracket, everybody says don't pick chalk. Right. Like don't pick ones over over fives and don't pick the higher seed over the lower seed. It's just not a smart idea because games are played in certain ways and anybody could win. But I think chalk in an Oscar pool uh, makes sense because you spot these trends and something like Director's Guild is huge for Del Toro. And something like Producers Guild is just massive for Shape of Water. And um, the fact that three billboards, one Screen Actors Guild gives me pause but I'm going to put my money behind Shape of Water and still say that at the end of the night, it's going to... I think the last year's Moonlight Shock over La La Land was the anomaly. Um, and more often than not, the Producers Guild person lines up and, and that person wins. And the shock doesn't happen that often. All right. J- Jake, yeah. where are you at? Uh, <laughs> it's I, so tough. It is tough. Um, I, I, and I'm st- it's terrible that, that this is a, a, an awards podcast and I'm still on the moment trying to, trying to figure it out. I think it's awesome I, though. I, I love fun. this. Yeah. Yeah. Better. Part of me thinks it's going to be split and that it's going to go to, it's going to go to three billboards and that, and the director is going to go to Del Toro, but I still like, and this is why I think I'm not excited about the Oscars is because I think deep down, I, I think Shape of Water is going to win. Um, I think I agree with Kevin, like that we talked last week that somewhere in my gut, I think that there could be something that says get out's going to win, but I just think at the end of the day, like, and, and like, I think that's subconsciously why I'm not excited for this year's Oscars is that I think deep down a movie that I don't care about is going to win best picture. Um, so yeah, I think I've got to go on the record and saying, ultimately, I really do think that Shape of Water is probably going to win. Wait, so Jake, if you're on TV doing your prediction, your Shape, Shape of Water is your pick. I, I'm sa- I'm going to say Shape of Water, but I'm also going to tell, and I have to do this tomorrow. I'm also going to tell my audience uh, that I mean, unfortunately, I granted, I know like you can't cover all bases, but like Shape of Water is probably going to win. But if if you hear Get Out, don't be like shocked because we do very much live we we live in a reality in which Get Out could win Best Picture. I'm uh, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure I'm going to be wrong. Um, but I went with Get Out, and it's on. Well, so, so then I would argue that that's not really what you think is going to win, though. But tomorrow morning on Fox News and Fox Five and Fox Philadelphia, when the graphic comes up on screen, Kevin's will win is Get Out. But now, you, okay, so do you really, really, actually I, think it's going to win? I have a feeling, and here's the thing. It, honestly, 
the movie that's probably going to win is Three Billboards, uh, if I were to make another choice. Three Billboards won the BAFTA, it won the SAG, it won the Golden Globe. Um, that, to me, is the is adding up to that. My get-out pick is more of uh, putting like a good vibes into the universe, a hopeful pick. Um, but I listen, I mean, call it a cop-out, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to say on the air, I'm probably going to be wrong. Um, but if no one, if you have your TV on mute and you are looking at the screen, they're going to see me picking get out. I, I, I just, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate, but I feel like if you proceed your, 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 your prediction with, I'm probably going to be wrong, but then it's not really your prediction. Okay. Well, I, then, all right, I'm predicting get out. Uh, and I'm going to say on the air that there are two other films that are current front runners as well. Uh, and I'm going to explain clearly on the air that three billboards has these wins. Shape of Water has these wins. Get Out has no wins. So I can I can give those facts without ever saying to my audience, I'm probably going to be wrong. But I, I mean, listen, I mean, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I mean, no one, there's no science to this in, in, in my mind. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I just kind of hope. And I think my hope kind of just rides on the moment we're in right now. When the voting took place from February 20th to the 27th, how well Black Panther did, the fact that Daniel Kaluuya's in that film, uh, his face was everywhere, people were talking about that movie, uh, this, this is a big year for representation and diversity, uh, I'm not saying that those are reasons why Get Out will win, I think Get Out is clearly the better film of the three, no question, my hope is that some of these voters watched it more than once, because the second viewing really is the master pull, the masterpiece mindset when it hits you finally, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, l- listen, call me crazy, but uh, and I'm sure I'll be wrong, but I understand what you're saying, Jake, because it, it does sound like I'm kind of copping out from my prediction. But my kind I, of, I, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not trying to like like rag on you or bring you no, down, but it. but it's just an interesting way to, to phrase it. I know, but my chirons tomorrow are going to say get out. So, uh, I mean, anybody who's watching those shows is going to see that I've chosen get out as my prediction for best picture. Um, we are but going I am to do... I'm clearly going to talk about it. I'm I'm clearly going to just back up my prediction and talk about why I feel that way. But I have to give the facts. I mean, clearly, clearly, if you're a betting person, uh, you don't put money on Get Out. But it's just I just feel I have a feeling about it. That's all. So on Sunday, we will be tracking the Oscars um, on Cinema Blend. On Monday morning, these guys will be on their television shows. And then Monday night, we're going to get together and record a very special episode of Awards Blend, a wrap up of the Oscars, talking about everything that happened during the telecast. When we were right, when we were wrong, and we might even look ahead to next year to get the earliest uh, 2019 Best Picture predictions that anyone has ever seen. So start thinking about which film you think is going to win Best Picture. Does Black Panther get into the Best Picture race? No. No. It's what? A, no, it does no. not. No. No? Listen, the movie's, the movie's very good, but it's not, right? it's, it's, it's not mind-blowingly amazing from a cinematic standpoint I, I listen i love black panther I give it a four Kevin and a half out of five black panther. He hates no, no, no 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 i give it a four and a half out of five <laughs> i just in find, internet speak that means you hate it i know and jake and i i remember jake and i were so worried or talked about this when star wars when last jedi came out and we both were very lukewarm on the film i think you were too sean um was. and i think very that so. uh if you say one negative thing about a movie like that or you give a film like that a three and a half out of five 
you hate it. Now, it's like crazy. Like It's so black and white in regards to uh, if you have any criticisms about a certain film, which is why I was interested to see how the reviews were for Black Panther. Like, or people, or people, uh, you know, that was a very anticipated movie. So, how is it going to be graded? And I, and I, to me, I graded it as a film, as the movie itself, not not based on the hype around it. You know. Wait. Oh, wait. 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 Before we close off, we're going to close off Best Picture. We're going to close off our predictions. But I forgot to ask this one. Um, does Roger Deakins win? Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. I'm, I'm going to say no. Who's he losing to? Say, don't do that. Don't put that out there in the universe, man. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I don't say 100%. S- I, I, I would never say 100%. Um, Who's he lose I, to? If I were, I, I, I just, I think it's, yeah. I mean, talk, I could, talk about, talk about a career Oscar. I, I think this well, has got to be his career. Clearly Oscar. the winner should be Hoytema. I mean, there's, there's no You're question. Wrong, I mean, that, 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 that wrong, that's sir. not, that's not even a debate, but if My, we're talking about like, my point just being that if he were going to win prior to this point, he would have won already. <laughs> and well, you could have said, now... what you could have said that about Pacino. Like you would have, like think of all the awards Pacino was nominated for and lost. Uh, yeah, I, I just Deacons, I Deacons think Deacons that now it's like an it's like a running joke that they just have they done the, the cinematography awards yet or the AC ASCs or whatever those are. Yeah, called? Deacons won. Oh, then he's gonna win. Yeah, it's done. He's gonna win his first Oscar. That that is the category that I care about the most going into summer. for a digital so. film, unfortunately. But yeah, okay. They so saved that for last. In, <laughs> yeah, uh, in the past few weeks, we've been having a lot of fun breaking down people's um, filmographies, and we did Christopher Nolan, and we did Paul Thomas Anderson because they were of the group um, of best director nominee nominees that had um, a full body of work. Uh, Greta Gerwig had not. Uh, Jordan Peele had not. We did not get to Del Toro because we jumped to Spielberg. And um, as anyone who's listening to the podcast knows, the three of us are essentially um, just diehard Spielberg fans. And so we figured it would be fun to do Spielberg blend. And Gabe, I think, Gabe, are you keeping track of what people said at home? So if you're not, do that now, because I'm curious what the general consensus of what everybody else is. Gabe's our producer. Who? But I would argue, and and I I, I think I didn't do a great job of clarifying this on Twitter whenever I posed the question to my followers. Uh, I saw a lot of people writing, well, like for nostalgic reasons or because of my childhood or this or that yeah. movie X. And I would argue that nostalgia and childhood reasons can't go into picking – that can go into picking your favorite movie right. of Spielberg's. But that can't be a part of what you think is his best movie, his best perfectly crafted piece of cinema. Nostalgia and best don't go hand in Correct. hand. It doesn't work like that. Correct. Um, so, if, so if you're on social media and you picked – Based off of an amazing experience you had when you were a child, seeing ET go, you know, fly in front of the moon, then I, I then we fr- phrase the question poorly because we're we're talking about his most finely crafted piece of celluloid. Okay, so I'm, I want to go first because I want to uh, talk about some of the criteria that I because I I put a lot of thought into this. I <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I obsessed over this for the past week and changed my mind a gazillion times. Me too. Um I have my Jurassic shirt. This is not my pick, but it was almost my pick. It was that really was close. That was my pick too. Yeah, it was really close. Yeah. Um I think that um okay, so I'm I'm going to give you what my criteria were. And then we're going to do something fun where we want the other guys to guess what they think the person's pick is. So we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Okay. I think that your pick has to have, has to have an iconic John Williams soundtrack. It has okay. to have a theme song. So Agreed. for me, Private Ryan, out. As good as it is, yeah. it's not there. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I think it has to have some science fiction to it. I think that's where Spielberg's heart goes all the time. 
I think that he loves telling sci-fi stories. You picked Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, didn't you? <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good one. Um, I think, I think personally, it has to qualify as a blockbuster. I think okay. that he does his historical films, but I think that the ones that Spielberg that define Spielberg are his tentpole blockbusters, whether they might be Raiders or whether it be Jurassic or whether it be something like that. And I think that it has to have um, an emotional connection. I think that Spielberg is a schmaltzy director who goes for the heartstrings more often than not. He doesn't always get there. Sometimes he tries a little bit too hard to get there. Um, but I think that you have to find that the balance of all of those as the criteria for what would define the best Spielberg. So okay, I have, have my prediction. pick. I have my pick. You guys tell me what you think my pick is. I think you picked E.T. Kevin? Uh, I'm gonna go Raiders. No, no, no. You said sci-fi. So hold on, let me change that. Uh, because that that actually oh it's god, funny. we'll be here for half an no, hour. No, 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 no. Well, 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 until Sean just said that sci-fi had to be part of his criteria, uh, my choice was probably Raiders for him. But right. I agree. I was gonna pick Raiders until he said sci-fi. Oh, I'm gonna go with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Jake is correct. I picked E.T. I picked E.T. <laughs> I think E.T. Okay, so in my opinion, Spielberg has six masterpieces. Six perfect, flawless masterpieces. Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders, E.T., uh, Schindler's List, and Jurassic Park. Those are the ones that, to me, they were the ones that were in the running. This is me personally. The guys will get to go next. You can't, I mean, you can't not play the E.T. theme song. Jake just sang it and not just instantly be brought back to that time. Um, it, it, <laughs> it balances so much of what Spielberg, like Spielberg has one foot in childhood at all time. And, and that pursuit of that golden age of when you're just this wide eyed, innocent child. He loves um, the, the Close Encounters does this minority report to a certain extent. He loves stories that involve um aliens and worlds come world war of the worlds took the a darker turn towards that he's always been fascinated in that kind of aspect sometimes it gets in the way when it's crystal skull but one thing that spielberg struggles with and this is what knocked out a couple of movies for me he struggles with endings some of his endings are really questionable and and et is his perfect ending i cannot watch the end of et still right now i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it it is the most emotionally satisfying ending of a Spielberg film. So it just, to me, E.T. does everything that he tries to do, it does perfectly. And um, I don't think that it has... Some of the critiques that I heard when for the people that I shared what my pick was, they were like, but the bridge with the scientists, um, it starts to lose them when the scientists invade the home and they shut it down. And But I think that you... I think that that's so important to get to that point because then I watched the scene today, fell down the rabbit hole and, and Elliot saying goodbye to E.T. And then the flowers come to life again and he opens it up and E.T. is talking to him and, and they, for them to escape. And it has that then that race to get him to his to his spaceship has the bit of thrills that Spielberg likes to bring. It's just it does everything that he does well. And so for all those reasons, E.T. is my pick. What Sean's not telling us is that. Really, what he's doing right now is he's doing an ad for Reese's Pieces. Uh, and this has all been paid for by Reese's Pieces. By the way, you know who Drew Barrymore told me? You, that say, you say Pieces? 
Reese's, Reese's pieces. Reese's pieces. That's what I say. Reese's pieces. Reese's pieces. 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 Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I no, I just didn't know. Ask. Like, as as a Southern man, I just didn't know. I was like, is that is that something like people in the North say? You didn't know. Reese's I, I pieces. Was just, I was genuinely curious. Drew Barrymore told me that they, they reached out to uh, Hershey's to be the candy in the film, and they turned it down. So That's Reese's hilarious. pieces was like the second. Yeah. Uh, thing but cool little spielberg side note um i had the honor of going to the uh the white house um for the presidential medal of freedom and spielberg was being honored that year and he wasn't doing interviews but i found my way over to the other side of the uh the i think it was the east room i can't remember whatever room it was um and uh i kind of grabbed him real quick uh because i think i shouted out kaminsky's name or something and he came over uh and my question i i got three questions and, you know, I asked him about the event clearly, but then my only other question was, how did you film the the famous moon shot in E.T. with the bike going across the moon? And he told me this really cool story that there was an actual moon photography that had a thousand millimeter lens that actually shot that moon for real. And then they add in that little animatronic figure of the kid going across. It's such a cool I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's amazing to me that they they actually, that's a real moon shot. I mean, it's a real awesome. shot of a moon. Uh, you would think that it's like something they created in a studio or something like that, but uh, I found that to be just mind-blowing. All right. Kevin, you're up. Really? I'm next. Um, you know what's funny is... Don't give us your pick, because we get to choose what your pick is, but give us a little preface about how you got to it. Uh, well, it's, it's funny. Uh, initially... When when we when we all were discussing the idea of what our favorite Spielberg movie would be, um, and we we put this into the uh, atmosphere that we were actually going to be doing this pick, um, my fir- the movie that I've chosen now is the first film that came to my mind as my pick. Right. But there was actually a tweet that Sean sent out, or some or either a tweet or a text that deferred me away from this pick because of what he said, and I actually still. And finding myself questioning this because of what Sean said. Um, but yeah, I came to the pick uh, primarily just because of what uh, he was able to do. I, I can't, it's hard to talk about without giving All it right. away. Um, oh, oh, I, I know what it is. I know what it is. I just figured it so, out. So, okay, so are, are we, are, do you want to do the guesses first and I'll get to why I loved it? Yeah. I'll give a guess. Okay. It's, hard, it's hard for me to tell you why I came to the conclusion without getting into specific details about why I did. My guess is Jaws. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess too. Jaws. Yeah. 100%. And I, it's because I said his fir- his early movie like that, an early movie should not be his best. And that's really what knocked me off of Jaws. I can't believe that he as a filmmaker peaked that early. It's his third feature-length film. Now that is where... I had problems with this pick because you mentioned that in a tweet that it can't be Jaws because that's suggesting that Spielberg peaked at that age. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't call it peaking. Uh, I would say that Jaws is the reason that he is the filmmaker he is today. Mm -hmm. Um, Which in my opinion, what I wouldn't call it his peaking film. I would call it the film that challenged him the most and made him the best filmmaker he could possibly be. To me, the reason why Jaws is the best movie he ever made is because of the odds that he overcame making that mm-hmm. film. Um, I'm always blown away by what happened on that set, how the shark was breaking down, uh, and this just kind of feeds into the brilliance of necessity being the mother of invention. And I wish more filmmakers 
wouldn't rely so much on CG and things like that and kind of figure things out for themselves and let themselves fail. He was almost fired from that production. Um, The fact that that movie turned out the way it did, Mm -hmm. considering what was going on behind those scenes, to me just is is a completely, it just proves that he is the greatest or not, or one of the greatest filmmakers ever, if not the greatest, um, because of how the film turned out. And I know a lot of it was kind of, as I said, necessity is the mother of invention. They had to figure things out on the fly to make the scene work. They took all the, a lot of the shark out of the movie because it looked like it looked terrible, uh, which ended up being one of the most brilliant decisions ever, even though it might have been an accident or not purposely thought out in the beginning. Um, because less shark meant that, that it was scarier for the viewer and you didn't see it as much. Um, I can put Jaws on today and still watch it without... I don't ever think of it as cheesy or the effects looking bad, primarily because they took the shark out enough where when it does show up, it's menacing. Um, when Quint, Yeah, but do you know what's really terrible about Jaws? Nothing. 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 Yeah, no, exactly. Nothing. There's yeah, yeah. not a uh, single thing wrong with Jaws. But <laughs> the scene... I mean, the, the Quint death is just horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that scene, I I get, my stomach hurts when I watch that scene. Like it is so brutal. What about Hooper coming back? I don't like that Hooper comes back. It didn't, doesn't bother me. I, 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 I don't have a problem with that film. And I, and it's funny it because. me a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, the word, the word peak is interesting. I wouldn't use the word peak here. I think the reason why we got E.T., right. Saving Private Ryan, Jurassic Park, um, some of the greatest movies ever made were because of the struggles that he had on Jaws. And I think the beauty of Jaws, there's two layers of Jaws to me. There's the Jaws where you watch it without knowing anything that happened behind the scenes. And then there's the Jaws you watch when you know what happened behind the scenes. Both viewings are perfect. Mm. And the knowing makes the viewing even better, but you don't have to know the baseball inside baseball of what happened to enjoy jaws. But knowing that to me is an extra layer of just brilliance. And you just love that it has a vertigo shot in it. That's what you love the most. It is yeah. honestly, it's the best vertigo <laughs> shot ever. It's better than anything Hitchcock ever did. And I, and I, and I, and I it's listen, better than the vertigo shot. It's better. Yeah. Than, yeah. Even though the vertigo <laughs> shot wasn't even created for vertigo, but it was made famous in vertigo. Um, right. But it was, I mean, listen, the Hitchcock, I would say is the greatest filmmaker to ever live, but uh, vertigo is a masterpiece. But the use of the vertigo shot, uh, the dolly zoom that Spielberg does with Roy Scheider in, uh, in that scene is just, I mean, the anxiety that creates it, it perfectly encapsulated what that moment would feel like for an, a person to watch someone get eaten alive by a shark. I mean, it's yeah. like, it is incredible. On top of that, the simplicity of John Williams's score, two notes, whatever. I mean, I mean obviously there's more to it, but the, the that famous note, the famous dana, whatever, whatever you want to say about that movie, everything about it came together. Now, wh- whether or not that was planned, everything was planned, it clearly wasn't because things happened because of all the problems that happened. So to me, the fact that under pressure that that film was created the way it was is the best movie he ever made. Under pressure. All right, Jake, you're up. Uh, if we're expressing qualifications uh, by which we, we, we used to, to pick the perfect movie, I very much agree with the ones that Sean presented. And I, I have two more that I'm going to throw out there that are, that are for me, less qualifications and more tipping points. You know, if, if it were for me between three movies, 
I used these to to ultimately make my decision. So going, uh, uh, you know, uh, taking away the sci-fi element because I don't I don't think it necessarily needs to be sci-fi because I think um, Spielberg has has perfected a lot of different genres. But mm-hmm. for me, the the tipping points that that made me pick a movie was one, it created a cultural moment, mm-hmm. and two, it uh, it made a uh, an emotion timeless. And so I was going to let you guys pick based okay. off of that. Hold on, hold on. It made an emotion timeless, timeless and it created a cultural moment. Now, can cultural, like, okay, so for example, Jaws was the first blockbuster of all time. A lot of people would argue that it was the first, you've heard that before, right? It's like the arguably yeah, the first. Yeah. All right. So yeah. was that considered a, cultu- a cultural moment? I would say so, yeah. Okay. And then the second thing was it, it's meant to cause it, it, an emotional. It, 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 and he disagrees causes, with sci fi. Yeah, I disagree with sci-fi. And so it's not, it, and so it's it, not and sci-fi. It, yeah, it's and it makes a certain emotion timeless. Is it Warhorse? And, and that's that's hard to explain without telling you what I mean by that. Tintin? Is it Tintin? <laughs> it's not Tintin. <laughs> Hold on a second. I, I I actually genuinely want to figure this out before Jake reveals it. Um. Okay, so it's not sci-fi. It was a cultural moment, and it has an, a timelessly emotional element to it. Jake, and, and, you, and that that last one is hard to explain without you clarify. You what I mean. Yeah, no, 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 no. Let's just get to him. He can explain it after. Okay. Come on, just All guess. Right. My my pick is. Wait, wait, Jaws. wait! We gotta guess. Oh, no. you picked Jaws too. Sorry, so I well, picked I Jaws gonna, too. I was gonna guess Private Ryan anyway. I no, was gonna guess Private no. Ryan. I because I, I do agree with you that if that, that Spielberg and John Williams do go hand in hand. Um, but and and I I for my my reasons are are less. Kevin's reasons because I I don't like to say that it's his best movie because I, I don't I don't want to um, dilute what he did I, I don't like the idea of saying well it's it's a great great movie because of like what he stumbled upon but I like this idea that I mean not just the fact that he created what is known as the modern summer blockbuster but a cultural movement in the sense that hundreds of thousands of sharks were killed that summer because people went out and tried to kill sharks out of fear of what they saw in that movie uh, people. That uh, that had mom and pop shops on beaches along the coast in America mm. uh, lost their their businesses because people weren't going to the beaches because I mean we're talking about a massive nationwide cultural movement that doesn't really happen in movies anymore like yeah right. like we as a culture like go to movies in waves I mean Black Panther is an, an amazing example of that but we're talking about people's lives that are changed like people like when psycho came out and people didn't take shower we're talking about you know there's a reason that that movies today try to say like does for blank what what jaws does for beaches you know like there's i mean we're talking about an entire nation stopped doing something because of the power of this movie and what i meant by free by making an emotion timeless for me personally comedy and fear are the, the two cinematic emotions that are consistently changing. What's funny and scary today is different than what's funny and scary 20, 30 years ago and probably is different than what will be funny and or scary 30 years from now. Drama tends to be drama. What scares people tends to be different. We're, ta- we're, we're now, what, past 40 years of, of Jaws? And to me, that movie is still scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate something like, like Halloween – but I don't get scared when I watch that movie, and 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 you know even something as recent as like a saw, like I never even I never got scared watching a movie like that. But to me, the 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 elements of of what make Jaws perfect is that it is an emotion that is continuously evolving. But it's but in this particular movie, it does it does not evolve. 
Like also, fear is there. It will it always blends, be there. It blends in, in a way when, when Spielberg's working at his best, he, he weaves humor into genres that it doesn't have to like whenever people are trying to force humor into a situation. Um, yeah. If you're doing Last it Jedi. the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. If you're doing it the wrong way, you can hear the joke land on the floor. Right. Yeah. And everyone's just like, oh. But like Raiders, the reason why Raiders is as great as it is, and frickin' Raiders should be in this conversation, and none of us yeah. brought it up. I'm a Raiders Crusade guy. I'm oh. more of a Crusade guy. Nah. I am. Those movies are funny. They're funny movies. Yeah. You can study them as comedies. And, totally. and And there's so many things that Spielberg does in them. Um, I'll go back to E.T., or, or Jurassic. Like He finds a way to, to cast somebody, whether it's Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, um, or... Uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus in Jaws, um, who who just bring humor to the situation, and it's not forced. It's not uh, like the, here's the funny die. guy, you know. Here's yeah. the here's the comedian that we cast. It almost because... makes you wonder, like whenever they deliver a funny line, if it's a good funny line, it almost makes you wonder, was that scripted? Or did they did they just ad lib yeah. in that moment? Like some right. of like the great lines were like, I wonder if there is a story behind that line. But right. like no, like it's just like it's perfectly worth. You shouldn't know. That a funny line was in the script. I always find um, that one of the tell telltale signs of a great film is when you watch it, even though you know the ending, you hope for something different every time you watch it. Like yeah. every time I watch Terminator Two, I somehow hope Arnold does not go into the the pit and do the thumbs up. And like I, I'm like I'm like in my mind, I genuinely I don't know why you cry. But I know I, I genuinely <laughs> start thinking to myself. Could this change? Even though I'm watching a disc that's been made, the movie's been out for years. Um, but going back to Quint's death, I mean, oh my God. That, Jake talks about terror and, and, and the timelessness of that fear uh, in the movie. But that death scene might, in my opinion, is probably the most horrific scene i've ever seen in a movie i i i because you see the pain on his it, face like not not just the blood yeah. you know when he when he, the blood oh, spurts from his stomach. mouth but you see how much oh. in how much pain he is enduring in that in that I, moment i literally feel the teeth going into my stomach when i watch that scene it, it, it is and to me uh by the way that film was pg by the way and i yeah. and i know there was no pg-13 <laughs> At the time, uh, and the PG-13 hey, rating was... parent great. guidance was suggested. Oh, my God. I mean, I think Jaws would get an R rating today. No question. Wait, like, I want to very quickly violence. just talk about something that Spielberg does better than anybody else, and this is what, what influenced a lot of these decisions, too. Creature design. I mean, yeah. the shark being so terrifying in Jaws. Yeah. Um, I mentioned E.T. He doesn't hide the alien, and that alien freaking works. Yeah. And then the T-Rexes in Jurassic Park. Yeah. There's Winston, a reason baby. why those are... They're iconic, right? And yeah, this is dude. just this is well, what he this is what he was able to do. To there's this a reason why Jurassic World doesn't look as good as Jurassic Park is because the filmmaker was like, "Oh, we'll just do everything CG. We'll do one animatronic dinosaur with the big dinosaur that Chris Pratt walks up to and is dying on the ground, or whatever." But Spielberg used CG when he absolutely had to use it. Um, right. He and then when he he was also smart and put a lot of CG scenes in rain, and rain tends to yes. make CG look better better i mean i will say when you put on jurassic park now it looks phenomenal but when they first get there it does look a bit cg clearly i mean the the effects are from night but but i mean i'm not not judging it because stan winston built this like thousand pound thousands of pound t-rex that they were operating i mean some of it's cg clearly but it looks 
they to, to me it's the blend if you blend the cg and the practical in such a way where you can't figure out which one's which blend. that's you the way you have home to a blend well that's right? the way you have to use cg okay. I, I i interviewed spielberg for the bfg and i and i remember asking him what I, the bfg <laughs> i'm name dropping but I, this comes from an inside joke in which we've all been joking that the I other know. person was going to pick bfg is there <laughs> Well, I, to your point, also, I mean, like we were talking about the difference between favorite and best. My favorite Spielberg movie is Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. If we were doing like talking about like tickling the nostalgia bone and the, and the movie that is Probably my childhood mine. and one of the movies that made me truly realize that I loved movies more than most people did, that movie is Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. My favorite might but, be ET or Jurassic Park, but like, yeah. but but one thing I was saying was I, I asked Spielberg if he would do, if he could redirect Jaws again today, would he use a CGI shark? And he said yes. And I no. found that that's what he, oh, I have I have been talking video. What then, I will say, then he backtracked, and then he did say though the reason why that film ended up being as good as it was is because of the problems that we had. So he kind of at first he was like, yeah, and Ooh. then he was like, you know what, actually, that's like a and, that's like Crystal Skull Spielberg speaking. Yeah, I, say, I, I gotta say, like that actually worries me about Spielberg moving forward that. He now has that mentality. Of, Watch the I would answer. CGI. People are knocking Ready Player One because the amount of CGI in the trailers. Well, first of all, how else? I, do you, it's a virtual okay, world. Yeah, I it's know, a virtual I know. world. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, that, that, what, what worries I, me is is that I, I just worry about how that movie is going to age. Which right. one? Ready Player One. Well, Ready like, Player I get, One. I agree with you. Oasis has to be CG Digital. by nature yeah. of what it is. But I just worry about what that movie is going to look like in twenty years. Okay, I so think fi- that's, my, that's my most anticipated movie of the year. No, I know. I can't All wait. right, fan, fan results for everybody who played along with Spielberg Blend. We cannot thank you guys enough. Social reaction on this one was amazing. Uh, so, quick recap: I picked ET. The other boys picked Jaws. I can't Jaws. fault them. I mean, it's, it's an incredible, <laughs> it's an incredible film. Fan results pretty much went with uh, Jaws, Raiders, Schindler's List. I find it interesting that neither that none of us picked either of his historical films, whether it be uh, Schindler's List or I thought maybe Lincoln might get some picks. Yeah. Oh, Private I Ryan. Have, I thought Private I, Ryan might get some picks I have too. never fully watched Schindler's List. You've really? never fully watched Schindler's List? I couldn't get through it. All right, wait. If oh, we're confessing yeah. this, then I can Too tell you brutal. something that I told the boys also. I've never seen Hook. Never seen Hook. Now that's crazy. Hook's amazing. But I will say... Bang right, Peter! <laughs> is, there, is there a Spielberg movie you haven't seen that's pretty famous, Jake? Uh, no. Nothing that comes to mind. Uh... I've never I, seen 1941. I just, but I, I, but, but, but I wouldn't call that like a oh my god, you have to see it Spielberg movie. And right. and and and, I, and the reason I don't think I have missed anything big is because I I not too long ago rewatched the Spielberg HBO documentary, which you have if you haven't seen, yeah. is incredible. Three yeah, hours, right. it just flies by. Um, but there was nothing major that was touched on in there that I that I haven't that I don't think I've seen. I had a weird experience with Schindler's List because I. I I'm trying to remember the year it came out. Was it 98? What year was Schindler's List? No, not, not, Schindler's 90, List was 93. 93. Okay, 93. So I was nine. 90, yeah, because it was the same year as Jurassic Park. Same year. Okay. They put out Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Right. And uh, so I was nine when Jurassic, Schindler's List came out, so I wasn't able to see it, even though it was historical. Um, and then when I finally got to the age to watch it, I tried watching it. And uh, I mean, and, and I don't think it has anything to do with this, but I come from a Jewish background. My parents are Jewish. My, my mom's Jewish. My grandparents are Jewish. Um, it was just very hard to watch. And I remember in the mindset that I was in at the time, it wasn't, I, I wasn't, I couldn't watch. It was very hard to watch. And I, and every time I tried to revisit it back in college, I just wasn't in the right mindset. I've, but I've never, 
I've never had the urge to sit down and go, you know what? I really want to watch Schindler's List. I, I, well, I mean, to be fair, there is no right mindset for that movie. I know. There, there is, I mean, I, you're, I, if, I if you're going to wait for, yeah, if you're if you're going to wait for that time where the urge strikes you it's to watch Schindler's List, it's never. It's like you, it's and I, and well, I mean this in the best way possible. You have to make yourself watch Schindler's List. And rewatchability was a huge factor that I what I thought about Agreed. when making my pick. Oh, and I think and I think that's why I veered away from. So and I, I'm not trying to say that, that Jaws is more important than Schindler's List. Because we're talking about a summer blockbuster versus a movie right. that, that has genuine significance. But there's no part of me. I think, I, I, talking about factors, the ability to be able to come across it on TV and stop what you're doing and, and finish it no matter where yep. it's at is, mm-hmm. is a big factor in that. And, uh, and by no means does Schindler's List. And I, I don't do, mean that do. as a knock on Schindler's List. Yeah. I just, if, if I see it on TV, I, I, I'm not going to stop it and be like, oh, what, what part is it? Is it the part with the girl with the red dress? Like, I, right. I, I, I just don't have that, that feeling. I do right. plan on watching it, and, and I am going to. I, I think I'm. I think I'm at a point now where I'm ready to watch it. It wasn't. I don't know. I just. It's one of those things. You're home on a Saturday, and you have nothing to do. And what, you, yeah. don't, you don't pop on Schindler's List. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, you know, I pop on I, Face I Off that. or something I like that, that, or you know, Con Air or something ridiculously right. over the top and stupid. But date night, you're gonna cook dinner and throw on Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't. Yeah. It, it, it's just real. It Jake makes a great point. You kind of have to force yourself to watch it. And every time I've sat down to watch it. Uh, it just has never been the right time. So I, I don't know. I often I find know. that that to, to make your like if you can find someone else that's never seen it that, yeah. that wants to see it, that's always a good excuse to sort of be like, well, you've never seen it. Like you know, I I know with um, I think uh, my fiance Ren, I don't think has ever seen Schindler's List, and so I'm sure within the coming years we'll sit down and watch it because she knows that it's one of those movies that she needs to see, and so through her I'll watch it again. Not if I were sitting home alone, by no means would I ever throw it on the Blu-ray player, but. Because I think I because I want her to see it, I think I'll watch it again. All right, we have a couple of days until the the Oscars. The Academy Awards are on Sunday. Yeah, we will have a wrap up show on Monday, Monday evening. Yeah, I will. think it's going to be available uh, Monday night. We'll have the audio available for people to download. So we're going to break down everything that happens on Sunday. Uh, you can find us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and at Sean underscore O'Connell. Uh, we would love for you to head on over to iTunes and drop us a link and a review. If you could, we have 17 ratings now. And so far, uh, they're all five stars. Someone's going to, someone's going to dive bomb us with a one. I know it just for probably someone that we know. Just, probably just friends to of ours. Be that guy. <laughs> uh, please check us out on, I say all your podcast apps of choice, including Spotify. Now at this point, you can subscribe to us on Spotify. Um, I teased that we're going to have a rebrand. I think we're going to talk about that briefly at the end of the next episode, but you will start to see something on our social channels about a new direction for the podcast. I'm very excited about what we're planning on doing with the show, but it'll still be the three of us. And we're still going to be talking about all things that are really important to cinema. Uh, so we will see you guys back here on Monday where we wrap up the Oscars guys, anything to say on your way out the door? It just makes no, me, this is this is a lot of fun. It makes me happy that it Jake is. chose Jaws, and it's funny because Jake and I have a very uh, a big connection to Jaws, just as friends in general. Um, over the years, when we've interviewed <laughs> Spielberg. We've it's just become a joke in our in our in our group. But I mean, you genuinely, should tell that joke, Kevin. What's no, that joke? Tell I'm not joke. telling that joke at all. <laughs> you sure, uh, I no, want to hear that. One. I'm unaware of what joke you speak of. <laughs> no, but Jake and I literally were um, in a hotel room in New York City, getting ready to interview Spielberg for Tintin. I just interviewed Spielberg a week prior for Warhorse. And we were, and it was a Friday night in in New York. He's telling and he, the joke. He's gonna no, no. He was filming. Yeah. He, he was filming uh, Lincoln. <laughs> he was coming up from Richmond to do interviews for Tintin. And Jake and I just sat in a room all night, and worked on questions. We pretended like we were Spielberg and asked our questions. And and then we had this Jaws joke that kind of came out of 
left field. <laughs> it was, yeah. it, it, That's yeah, one it, way it, to put it. it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's an R-rated joke, to say the least, that um, I don't think our mothers would appreciate us. Well, and uh, very soon, we will be reviewing a Spielberg film on this podcast when we talk Ready Player One. Yeah, so that's we coming will. up very soon. I cannot wait. I keep seeing people hating on it already. They haven't even seen it. I'm like, guys. No, it's too soon. It's going to be amazing. All right, we'll be back next week. We'll see you Monday after the Academy Awards. Follow us on social media. We will be live tweeting the show, probably, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the live show if you're listening to us on the audio podcast we appreciate you as always and we'll talk to you next week dunkirk this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.